This is episode 335 of the AWS podcast, released on October 6, 2019. Podcast confirmed. Welcome to the official AWS podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Lesher here with you. Great to have you back. And, of course, it's an update show, so I must be joined by the illustrious Nikki Stone. G'day, Nikki. Hi, Simon. Glad to be back. You never know what I'm going to say. <laughs> you never know what I'm gonna, what the intro is. Because the, the, the fact is I don't know what the intro is till I say it. So, you know, there's that. You should ask me where in the world I am. Where in the world are you? You know, surprisingly, I'm in San Francisco <laughs> for one week, and then I'm, I'm on the road again. Is there a cloud front pop in San Francisco? Uh, I think there might be a point yeah, of presence yeah. here. Because that's my theory that you only travel where there's a cloud front pop. So Yeah, I know. That is your theory. Okay, well, <laughs> next is New York and then Austin and then New Is there one in New Orleans? I don't know. And is it New Orleans or New Orleans? Probably the second one, yeah. but I'm not going to try to repeat that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hit some updates. There's lots going on. Let's start with storage. And a uh, update that I know a lot of folks have been looking forward to is Amazon S3 now supports same region replication. So you may be familiar that we used to have, or we've, we've had for a while, I should say, cross-region replication. So you could replicate a bucket from one region to another AWS region. Now you have same region replication, which basically lets you replicate to another bucket in the same region. Now, this is really useful if you're centralizing data or doing other cool things that architecturally require you to still be in the same region, but you want to move things across. So um, kind of a nifty one. Another update is that AWS transfer for ST, SFTP, I should say, now supports logical directories for Amazon S3. So this is really useful if you want to easily lock down your SFTP users access to designated folders. So Chirut, you can Chirut them, which gives you a lot more integration options and means, again, if you can't change the source application that's sending the SFTP data, it makes it a bit easier. AWS DataSync now supports all all Amazon S3 storage classes and has more data controls. So DataSync is a great way to get data off an existing NFS or SNMB server into S3 or EFS as well. This gives you a lot more control so you can choose exactly where you want to go to from a storage class perspective. You can also configure DataSync to never overwrite existing data as well. And also remember that DataSync always provides data identity checks or integrity checks, I should say, um, whilst transferring and writing data to the destination. So this really helps you make sure that your copies work well. A couple of updates for AWS Storage Gateway now supports IBM Spectrum Protect on Linux and five Tippybyte tape library sizes. So that's some honking great tape sizes. And it also has CloudWatch logging and metrics for file gateway as well. From a storage perspective, you can now also manage your Amazon EFS limits with AWS service quotas. So you can understand what you're using and how big stuff is and where you are relative to your quotas, which means you can then change them as necessary. And remember that AWS service quotas are available at no additional charge. And finally, speaking of Amazon CloudFront, there is a new edge location in Shenzhen, China. So this uh, new POP operated by Ningcha Western Cloud Company Limited now provides us with a total of four POPs in four cities across China. So uh, viewers in Shenzhen uh, would see an improvement of 62% in average latency when accessing content through CloudFront and Nikki will be flying over there shortly to test it. Yeah, I was just going to say, oh no, is that my next destination? <laughs> Moving over to the topic of compute, we are introducing some new Amazon EC2 instances. This is the G4 instance with NVIDIA T4 Tensor Core GPUs, most cost-effective GPU platform for machine learning inference and graphics, graphics-intensive applications. So now you have these G4 instances that deliver the industry's most cost-effective GPU platform, which provide the latest generation NVIDIA T4 Tensor Core GPUs, an AWS custom second-generation Intel Xeon scalable processor, and up to 40 gigabytes per second of networking throughput and up to 900 gigabytes of local NVMe storage. And the bare metal G4 
for instance, that is coming soon will offer you that 100 gigabytes per second of networking throughput and 1.8 terabytes of local NVMe storage. Moving on, introducing new Amazon EC2 Windows Servers AMIs or DISA STIG compliance. That is two acronyms in a row. <laughs> TISA. And I'm choosing to call it the STIG. <laughs> Dig, yes. Dig stands for Security Technical Implementation Guide. So these AMIs are pre-configured with a number of STIG standards or STIG, if you will, to help you quickly get started with deployments and still maintain and meet those STIG compliance requirements. Amazon Linux 2 AMI with .NET Core now includes Mono. This is a really cool update because I used to use this AMI all the time. Mono is an open source implementation of Microsoft's .NET framework. This AMI comes pre-configured with .NET Core 2.2, Mono 5.18, PowerShell Core 6.2, and then, of course, the AWS CLI. So you can get quickly get up and running with your .NET Framework apps with this AMI. This is a really interesting change that Simon and I were just discussing, mm. which is VPU-based on-demand instance limits are now available in EC2. So previously, we had an instant limit on the number of instances you could create, and now that is moving to a VPC, VCPU-based <laughs> on-demand Limit. Too many V's. Try to say that five times fast. <laughs> it, it, is a, it is a useful change, isn't it? Because I guess if you think about when the, the limits that, that existed at the very start of AWS land all those years ago, there weren't that many instance types. So we used to limit you by the number of instances you could create. But now that we have right. so many different families with, with lots of vCPUs, a few vCPUs, it kind of makes sense to say, well, you can, you can have a vCPU-based limit rather than a number of instances-based limit. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. So yeah, you're not limited now by the number of instances you create rather than by the total vCPU based so this is an opt-in an opt-in at the moment, but from uh, October 24th, 2019, all accounts will switch to these base limits. So uh, make sure you keep an eye on that one. EKS has a couple of updates. Uh, they now support the EBS CSI driver. So that is the Amazon Elastic Block Store CSI driver. It's now available to install an EKS 1.14 clusters. The previous existing entry EBS plugin is still supported, but by using this new CSI driver, you can benefit from the decoupling between Kubernetes upstream release cycle and the CSI driver release cycle. And then obviously in the future, the Intree EBS plugin will be deprecated in favor of the CSI driver. So make sure you keep an eye on that one. And then EKS announced the beta release of the Amazon EFS CSI driver. That so was EBS is now available, but the beta release of EFS Elastic File System CSI driver is now supported. Uh, makes it super easy to configure Elastic File Storage for both EKS and self-managed Kubernetes clusters running on AWS using standard Kubernetes interfaces. And the EKS team have been super busy. They're now supporting cluster tagging as well. So this makes it very easy to track and understand what's going on in your cluster environments. It also now has a EKS optimized AMI metadata via SSM parameters. So that one 10 times fast. Uh, and what this basically allows you to do is to get access to your creds much more easily and much more simply. And the other thing that EKS have done is they've added support for the G4 instance that Nikki just told us about, that super fast EC2 GPU equipped one with the most cost-effective GPUs. If you say, well, I'd like to use that, but in terms of my EKS deployment, well, now you can. Amazon Elastic Inference is now available in Amazon ECS tasks. So ECS now supports attaching Amazon Elastic Inference accelerators to your containers to make running deep learning inference workloads more cost-effective. The Elastic Inference service allows you to attach just the right amount of GPU-powered acceleration to any Amazon EC2 or Amazon SageMaker instance or now ECS task to reduce the cost of running deep learning inference by up to 75%. Amazon ECS now supports automated draining for spot instances running ECS services. I really loved this mm. one. 
Uh, so ECS uh, supports this uh, this new status, which is draining. It's a new capability that reduces service interruptions due to spot termination for ECS workloads. So if you have automated spot instance draining enabled, it will automatically place spot instances in a draining state upon the receipt of a two-minute interruption notice. An ECS task running on spot instances will automatically be triggered for shutdown before the instance terminates and replacement tasks will be scheduled elsewhere on the cluster. This makes it super easy for customers to use spot instances as part of their ECS cluster. And you can get started by setting the ECS enable spot instance training parameter to true in the user data field while launching an instance. It's really that easy. Very nice. You can now use uh, private link endpoint policies to better control Amazon ECR access. So this is the Elastic Container Repository. So by using those private link endpoint policies, it lets you better control the images and access to that. So you can now explicitly define policies to allow or deny based on IAM resource policies and also at the API level as well. So you can be very uh, controlling of those accesses, which is important. And another small but really handy update from a performance perspective is that AWS Lambda now supports custom batch window for Kinesis and DynamoDB event sources. Now, basically what happens is when you're running with a batch window capability, it means you can now fine tune your Lambda invocation for cost optimization. And basically what happens is Lambda reads records from a stream at a fixed cadence. So it might be you know once per second for a Kinesis data stream and then invokes a function with a batch of records. Now, what batch window allows you to do is to wait as long as up to 300 seconds to build the batch before invoking the function. So you can choose to invoke based on the time, but also if the payload size reaches six meg, it'll also hit its maximum and it'll start to process, et cetera. Really what this lets you do is to start to tweak how frequently you run your lambdas based upon the batching profile of your workload. And it really means that you can get more work done for less cost, which is something we like. I love this one because I just got asked this question at a conference, which is, can I control when lambda? <laughs> uh, yeah. And did you say, so I'll see what I, I can do. I'm kind of a big deal around here. <laughs> Yeah, basically. And then, you know, like a week later, this launch. So that works. there you go. <laughs> I look super cool. Moving on to the topic of networking. Uh, you can now add additional metadata to Amazon VPC flow logs to better understand your network flows. You can use flow logs to troubleshoot network connectivity issues, monitor VPC traffic and identify network threats. And now the usage of additional metadata fields like VPC ID, subnet ID, TCP, Bitmask, reduce the number of computations and lookups required to extract that meaningful information from the log data. Elastic load balancing, network load balancers now support multiple TLS certificates using server name indication. So now basically there's support for multiple TLS certificates on network load balancers using the SNI, which is the server name indication. So you can host multiple secure applications with their own TLS certificate on a single load balancer listener. Prior to this, you could only support it. Network load balancers only supported one certificate per TLS listener, and you had to use a wildcard or multi-domain certificate to host multiple secure applications behind the same load balancer. And there was obviously security risks that came with those wildcards. So now you can associate multiple certificates with one listener and allow each secure application behind a load balancer using its own. Very nifty. Now, a couple of uh, of other announcements related to the networking world, something I know a lot of our listeners have been waiting for, which is uh, AWS Direct Connect support for AWS Transit Gateway. It's now available in more regions. It's now available in Mumbai, Seoul, Singapore, Tokyo, Paris, Sao Paulo regions, as well as the Sydney region, amongst others. So uh, if this has been a feature you've been waiting for, it is now there for you to take advantage of. But let's switch across to databases. There have been a, a few really interesting uh, announcements that uh, that I'm pretty excited about, quite frankly, because I, I use them a lot. The first is the the general availability of Amazon Quantum Ledger Database or QLDB. Now this is a uh, 
capability, yes. We announced a while back. And basically, it's a fully managed ledger database that provides a transparent, immutable, and cryptographically verifiable transaction log owned by a central trusted authority. And certainly, in my experience of speaking with customers, often when they say, I want to have a blockchain-based database, what they actually want is a QLDB database. It brings a whole raft of benefits, particularly from energy utilization perspective as well. So definitely something to look at. It's currently available in Ohio, North Virginia, Oregon, Ireland, and Tokyo regions with additional regions coming soon. And the other one I'm super excited about because I had a play with this uh, just last week was the new NoSQL workbench for Amazon DynamoDB is now in preview. Now, what this allows you to do is to use a free client-side application that runs in Windows and Mac OS, and I've tested the Mac OS one, don't know about the Windows one, but I've definitely used that one. And basically it gives you a really nice way to easily build new data models from scratch, or this is pretty cool, import and modify existing data models. And you can also visualize data models based on your application access pattern, and you can view, explore, query data sets. There's a structured operation builder, so you can do data plane operations and generate sample code in multiple languages. It is all kinds of cool. And Nikki, did you get a chance to have a play? You know, I didn't, but I was actually dying to after I, <laughs> I saw the announcement a few weeks ago. So I, I want to hear how you, how it was for you. Did you really like love it? Was it yeah, amazing? it was, it was one of those things that, I mean, I've been using DynamoDB for a while for a lot of my applications. And so I was just like, wow, I can just draw stuff and get things going. And it was kind of like a, a lot of stuff I used to kind of use the console in a hacky way to, to quasi enter data, et cetera. If I was just mucking around with something, now I can just spin this up. It was really super easy to install and run and yeah, really great work for the team. So I'm sure they're going to be excited to get a lot of feedback and, and iterate on that one. This is also interesting because, you know, we have a lot of SQL developers that maybe want to switch over or use a NoSQL database for a specific use case and maybe they have a hard time visualizing. Mm, good call. Moving on, Amazon Redshift announces automatic workload management and query priorities. And so now Redshift makes it easy to maximize query throughput and get consistent performance for your most demanding analytics workloads. So automatic workload management, WLM, uses machine learning to dynamically manage memory and concurrency, helping maximize query throughput. And in addition, you can now easily set the priority of your most important queries, even when hundreds of queries are being submitted. When you set these priorities, you can ensure that higher priority workloads get preferential treatment. And then the WLM will use intelligent algorithms to make sure that lower priority queries don't stall, but still continue to make progress. I thought that was really cool. Amazon ElastiCache announces online configuration changes for all planned operations with the latest Redis 5.0.5. So Elasticash for Redis has improved the availability of auto failover clusters during all planned operations. You can now scale your cluster, upgrade the Redis engine version, and apply patches and maintenance updates while the cluster stays online and continues serving incoming requests. These improvements are included with the latest Redis version 5.0.5. We definitely want to update. Amazon Aurora serverless Postgres SQL now supports the data API. Love this one. Mm -hmm. Love the data API layer. So it was previously only available for the MySQL Aurora serverless database, and now it is available for PostgreSQL Aurora serverless database. So the data API layer allows you to basically focus on building your apps without worrying about managing database connections or connections pools. You can issue SQL commands by invoking an HTTPS API endpoint provided by the data API layer. It's very easy to enable. You just check a box. And the beauty of it is if you are developing serverless apps using Lambda, you no longer have to put your Lambda in a VPC. Just so nice. Very nice. Never, uh, that before. Very nice indeed. Quick update for developer tools. AWS Amplify Console now provides downloadable access logs for hosted web apps. So now users can download access logs for their CDN distribution. This means you can see every user request that was uh, made. These 
logs are always available to download in a CSV format for any two-week period, so you can do uh, analytics. And speaking of analytics, let's move on to the topic of analytics. A update that I was pretty darn excited about was that Amazon Athena now adds support for inserting data into a table using the results of a select query or provided set of values. So you can now do inserts into an existing table. So you, you may be familiar that in the past you could do a create table as select. So you could select from one table and create content into a new table. But once it was in there, that's what it was. You can now insert, which is a pretty big deal when it comes to some of the workflows you can create. I'm a, I've become a, a huge Amazon Athena fanboy, I have to say, Nikki, because um, it just makes <laughs> life so much easier when you're doing a lot of uh, big data type and analytics. I'm the fangirl for Athena too. <laughs> right there with <laughs> Amazon QuickSight now also has uh, some additional capabilities, favorites, anomaly alerts, and more. So you can now favorite and bookmark your dashboards and analyses that you want to see in your particular um, dashboard. And QuickSight anomaly detection allows you to uncover hidden insights in your data by continuously analyzing billions of data points. So you can now subscribe to receiving alerts to your inbox on the event and it normally occurs in your business metrics. This is really handy because sometimes you're not sure what you're looking for. So uh, if QuickSight can tell you, then you're good to go. Then there are also some new chart types and I'm going to make a very bad Simpsons joke here, Nikki, warning, spoiler alert. There is now the new donut chart type. Mmm, donut. And the gauge charts. So, uh, you know, you can't have it. Hungry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And also, um, so you had donut and gauge charts, but now you've also got word cloud as well. So you can visually represent insights from categorical fields and their corresponding metrics. There are also level aware calculations, larger spice data sets and more. I'm getting hungry now. We're talking about donuts and spices and yeah. Really making me hungry. (laughs) I have to go eat something after this. <laughs> so these level aware calculations, they let you derive advanced analytical insights independent of aggregations and filters applied to your charts. So these are things that are computed at a desired level in the overall query evaluation order of QuickSight. So you can answer questions like, how many customers have made one, two, or three orders? Or what is the contribution of each industry to the entire company's profit, irrespective of filters applied? There's a whole blog about this. It's very, very cool. Uh, also spice data sets. So this is the ability to hold large sets of data without having to recalculate. In the past, you could hold up to 25 gig of data. Now all new spice data sets can accommodate up to 100 million rows or 200 gig of data if you're using the enterprise edition and 25 million rows or 25 gig for the standard edition. AWS Glue has a couple announcements to round off this category. AWS Glue now provides the Apache Spark UI to monitor and troubleshoot Glue ETL jobs. So you can use the Apache Spark UI to monitor and inspect Glue ETL jobs. And the Spark UI provides a web interface to visualize a directed acyclic graph, also known as a DAG. Yeah, just a DAG. <laughs> DAG, representing different stages in Glue ETL job execution, analyze Spark SQL query plans, and check the event timeline of running or terminated Spark executors. AWS Glue now supports the ability to test your Glue ETL scripts on development endpoints using Apache Spark 2.4.3 and Python 3. Glue has updated its Apache Spark infrastructure to support Spark 2.4.3 for Glue scripts submitted on development endpoints, and this enables you to take advantage of of stability fixes and new features available in this version of Apache Spark. Glue also now supports wheel files as dependencies for Glue Python shell jobs. You can add Python dependencies <laughs> to AWS Glue Python shell jobs using wheel files, enabling you to take advantage of new capabilities of the wheel packing format. Previously, you were only able to add Python dependencies using egg files to AWS Glue <laughs> Python shell do, jobs. Do we have a complete like food theme today? We've had donuts, God, spices, yes, an egg, egg. A donut, a spice. <laughs> I'm so hungry now. I should before. I feel like I should have brought like a, a sort of, you know, frying sound effect to, to play in the background just as we go, like kitchens serving and stuff. 
breakfast. Yeah, like it is. Too. It's a theme. There's a theme that? here. Okay. <laughs> well, it is breakfast time in Australia as we record. It's, I think it's dinner time in the US for you. So you haven't quite got uh, like snack time. Snack time. Okay. okay there we go. Let's talk IoT. I'm going to run through a bunch of updates because Nikki always gets entertained when I try and read the different version numbers of the interestingly named IoT the best support part of the show for me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so firstly, AWS IoT device tester version two for AWS Greengrass is now available. And this update version comes with performance improvement of more than 50% leading to faster qualification. It also has a 50% smaller footprint than earlier. So you've got faster downloaded install. So it's faster all around. And if you're doing testing cycles on IoT devices, then you know that loading and unloading is painful and takes a long time and slows you down. So you are now twice as fast as you were before, but don't tell your boss, just pretend you're faster, you know, by, by your own skills, not through the uh, <laughs> not through the capability. Also, there's a, uh, a bunch of new NXP development boards that are now qualified for Amazon free RTOS. And I'm going to disappoint Nikki by not trying to mention all the names because they're very, very long, but what? they are qualified. I oh, know I bailed. I bailed. Sorry. One of, one of them is the i.mx-rt1060. So uh, if that's one you're interested in. You're, you're in for it now. And uh, AWS IT Greengrass 1.9.3 now has support for ARM v6 and new machine learning connectors as well. So this is really useful if you're running the Raspbian Buster, then you can run it on that particular platform. And the new connectors are a new ML object detection connector, which lets customers perform object detection inference by using models compiled by the Amazon SageMaker Neo deep learning compiler and a new ML feedback connector, which makes it easier to send ML input data and prediction results to the cloud for ML reading training. You can use this from the user lambdas or the ML object detector connector or with an updated version of the ML image classifier connector. These are all really useful to really create that positive feedback loop in your IoT devices. And finally on IoT, AWS IoT Core introduces a beta feature to simplify device certificate registration. This is called multi-account registrations, now in beta, and it allows customers to quickly move devices between their AWS accounts by specifying the account information when the device connects to AWS IoT Core. So customers opting to use this feature will use SNI strings, service server name indication, which we spoke about earlier in the show, uh, sent by a device and as part of the TLS session to route to the correct AWS IoT endpoint. So this also introduces an optional simplified registration step where customers can register their device certificates without requiring a certificate authority to be registered with AWS IoT. This is all about simplifying and accelerating the device registration process. And we'd love to get your feedback on what you think of it. Moving over to the topic of end user computing, Amazon AppStream 2.0 enables AWS identity and access management role support for image builders and fleets. So now with this new feature, you can add an IAM role to your image builder and fleet resources. And with this launch, you can make AWS API calls from an image builder or fleet streaming instance without having to specify the access key or secret access key. It's a really nice update. Amazon Workspaces introduces Workspaces Restore to the last known healthy state. So this feature enables you to roll back your workspace to its last known healthy state. And it can serve as an easy recovery option to mitigate the impact of inaccessible workspaces caused by incompatible third-party updates on workspaces. So if you brick your yourself. <laughs> Basically. Uh, Workmail Message Flow SDK. So Workmail announced that you can access full email message content from within your Lambda functions when using email flow rules. So with this feature, you can now build powerful email processing automation and analytics applications. For example, you can easily add email correspondence with third-party productivity tools such as Salesforce or Asana whenever an email is received or analyze your organization's email traffic to 
spot trends. Email messages can be accessed on both incoming and outgoing email. And finally, AWS Client VPN now supports multi-factor authentication for Active Directory. You can now enable MFA capabilities for your users using AWS Client VPN and Active Directory. Enterprises can now create a second layer of defense by prompting the user for an additional factor such as verifying a push notification or an email OT. Moving on to the topic of machine learning, Amazon SageMaker now supports more refined access control using Amazon SageMaker specific condition keys. So this allows you to set up IAM policies to further refine the conditions under which the policy statement applies. So this is really useful around best practice and compliance requirements. So you can include conditions around encryption of data, encryption of storage volumes, network isolation, and also controlled access to the Amazon SageMaker resources. You can uh, enforce uh, certain VPCs, you can disable no book instance root access and internet access. You can also restrict the instance types that users can select when using SageMaker to manage costs. Amazon SageMaker Neo is now available in 12 additional regions. Now, this is if you're trying to build machine learning models that can make fast, low latency predictions in real time, particularly on edge devices, this is the technology you want to look at. It lets you build using very familiar tools like MXNet, TensorFlow, PyTorch, or XGBoost, and train it using Amazon SageMaker, but you can deploy it on your target hardware platform be it NVIDIA, Intel, or ARM. And a single click, you get a compiled trained model in an executable that runs in its optimal sense on that particular platform, which is very nice. A few other updates in the ML realm. AWS Private Link support is available now for Amazon Recognition. So if you want to use recognition within your VPC without using public IPs or public endpoints, you can now do that. Amazon Transcribe now supports AWS KMS encryption. So now it makes it really easy to encrypt all your data. In the past, you would use S3 SSE encryption. Now you can use KMS, which I highly recommend if uh, for any services you have that's available. Uh, if you can click on the KMS, click on the KMS button. It makes life a lot easier. And finally, Amazon Poly Voices are now available in Windows applications. So now there is an open source engine that allows users to take advantage of Amazon Poly Voices in SAPI compliant Windows applications. Now I've not used SAPI. I've heard of SAPI, but I've not used it uh, in a Microsoft context. So I can't speak to this, but out of the box, Microsoft Windows provides one SAPI male and female voice, which can be used with any supported voice application. With Amazon Poly for Windows users can install over 50 additional voices across 20 languages paying only for what you use. So it sounds like more voice for your windows. Awesome little update. Moving over to the topic of application integration, Amazon SNS now supports the new APNS push type header field in Apple push notification service. Uh, so this uh, header field Basically, you can specify either alert or background. And this really helps, uh, you know, Swift and, and iOS developers tell that alert when it hits your phone, whether to show you that alert or basically run a background update of your data. AWS App Mesh now supports retry policies. So App Mesh, you can add retries to traffic between services. And you can add resilience to your application with essentially no change to application code. This is useful in applications where failed requests can be retried without any negative consequences, shielding users from transient issues. AWS Step functions at support. This one's really interesting mm. for me because I'm working on yeah, a project. I, I saw this one. I thought you'd like this one. <laughs> AWS Step functions at support for dynamic parallelism in workflows. Why didn't you launch this a month ago, AWS? <laughs> Step functions now supports dynamic parallelism, so you can optimize the performance and efficiency of application workflows, such as data processing and task automation. By running identical tasks in parallel, you can achieve consistent execution duration and improve utilization of resources to save on operating costs. You can build like dynamically parallel fan out and scatter gather patterns in minutes with less code. Again, this would have been helpful to me a couple weeks ago. <laughs> um, so yeah, previously you might have used SNS for this fan out pattern or other services, but now you can 
use step functions to set it up and gather all of them. That's one of the hardest things about it's very difficult to predict the execution time of parallel workflows um, because the number of items to process is often unknown. And then putting them all back together at the end can be time consuming and hard. And debugging these processes is also extremely difficult. Again, AWS, where were you a month ago? Like, I don't know. <laughs> they man. were listening to you and they provided. A few other quick updates. Amazon API Gateway now simplifies invoking private APIs. So API Gateway will create and manage the Route 53 alias records necessary for easily invoking the private APIs. And so you can use this within your VPCs. So this makes it much easier to get access to things you need. AWS Cloud Map is now available in three additional regions. So it's available in the Hong Kong, Stockholm, and Middle East Bahrain regions. And this is a cloud resource discovery service. So with AWS Cloud Map, you can define custom names for your application resources. So things like ECS tasks, EC2 instances, S3 buckets, DynamoDB tables, and more. And you can then use these custom names to discover the location and metadata of cloud resources from your applications using the AWS SDK and authenticated API queries. It's a highly available managed service with rapid change propagation so it lets you see what's in your world and finally amazon mq introduces a vertical scaling for message brokers so now you can right size your message broker by modifying the instance type on demand and this is applied immediately during the next maintenance window so you can make a bigger or smaller box as necessary moving over to the topic of management and governance this one's really interesting introducing aws iq iq is a new service that enables customers to quickly find and and pay AWS certified third-party experts for on-demand project work. So this is uh, fueling that gig economy. AWS IQ offers video conferencing, contract management, secure collaboration, and integrated billing. And to get started, you can just log into IQ, describe your project need in a few sentences, and then you can chat with experts to clarify the details of the project, compare proposals, review expert profiles, and select the expert who best fits your needs. Uh, there are no upfront commitments required to use IQ. Customers pay for their project milestones through their existing AWS account. Yeah, I think, I we'll, think do a, we'll do a, we'll do a deep dive on this one, but there's a, a great Jeff Barr blog that goes through some of the, the nuances of this one, but it's a really, really interesting one, that's for sure. Another update, and because we do have a global audience, there are some some words that some people may not understand necessarily or term business terms. And AISPL is something that is often not familiar to those outside of India. But if you're in India and listening in India, hello, uh, you can now pay your AISPL invoices using your net banking enabled bank account. And AISPL supports net banking for 55 banks in India. Basically, if you're an Indian customer of AWS using AWS in India, this is relevant to you and you can now do it. And so there will be much cheering. <laughs> AWS service catalog announces budget visibility. So the service catalog now provides budget visibility on your portfolios and products by integrating with AWS budget. And with this new feature, you can create and associate budgets with portfolios and products and track your spend. And this uh, portfolio and product budget creation is simplified using tag options and auto tags, providing admins with visibility into the budget and a month to date spend. Very nice. AWS CloudFormation has also provided updates for Amazon EC2, ECS, ElastiCache, Elasticsearch, and many more. Are you going to going to read every single change, Nikki? Are you going to... Uh... <laughs> Well, you didn't read every single IoT version That's for me true. today, so I don't That's know true. if I, I don't know if how, I how about you pick three at random? Three random ones. Yeah. Okay, so let's see. You can suspend and resume automatic scaling and EC2 auto scaling with nice. affirmation. You can specify server-side encryption in Amazon DynamoDB tables. And you can specify an Amazon ECS task group for the task, a launch type on which your task is running, the VPC subnets and security groups associated with the task, and whether a public IP address is to be used, and the platform version for the task for Amazon CloudWatch events rules. 
Very a lot nice. of updates lots, for Amazon ETS Lots Cloud. going on there for sure. A couple of other quick updates. AWS Limit Monitor now supports the vCPU-based on-demand instance limit monitoring that we mentioned earlier on. So the AWS Limit Monitor is a place where you can see all the limits that apply to you. And also the AWS Well Architected Tool, which is an excellent tool is now available in the Asia Pacific Tokyo region and localized into Japanese. This is a tool you should absolutely be using with all your applications to make sure that your workloads are built to best practice and it gives you active guidance on what to do to improve things as well. Moving over to the topic of media, AWS Elemental Media Tailor server-side ad insertion now supports live pre-roll. You can now monetize live HLS video streams without ST, SCTE infrastructure with AWS Elemental Media Tailor. Using Media Tailor content owners can insert pre-roll ads before stream start, overriding the beginning of their live streams with personalized ads to monetize every stream start to support a low investment, high return monetization strategy. There was a lot of acronyms in there, so that was hard. <laughs> you did well. Uh, AWS Elemental Media Connect now supports RIST protocols. So this is the reliable internet stream transport standard. So you can now use that. Media Live now supports HEVC and 4K UHD outputs for live channels. So again, even better quality content and and so one of the interesting parts about this encoding mechanism is it's 30 to 50% more efficient than AVC. So you get lower CDN costs and also you can uh, reduce your overall bandwidth costs because of the efficiency of the receiving side. AWS Elemental Media Store now supports stale manifest deletion. And if there's something you want to delete, it's your stale manifests. So uh, this will help you manage that object lifecycle so that you can get rid of stuff you're not using anymore. AWS Elemental Media Convert now supports IMSC 1.1 captions. So these is a file format that uses X XML to describe text, timing, layout, and styling for subtitles and captions. This can do it easily. It's, it's funny watching how people consume media now. I see a lot of people watching with the subtitles on, even though they're watching a show in their native language, because maybe there's noise around or, or other things. It seems to be the, the more common way of yeah, watching often now. Yeah, I watch without the sound. And I ah, just watch the there you go, 100% subtitles. And finally, AWS Elemental Media Connect adds the ability for content owners and subscribers to share the cost of live video entitlements. So now you can specify the percentage of data transfer costs assigned to themselves and to the subscriber. So this lets content owners share the cost of content syndication with their subscribers, reducing expenses and simplifying billing. So this is pretty powerful as well. Let's talk gaming, Nikki. Lumberyard Beta 1.21 is now available. It has over 70 improvements, fixes and features for designers, animators, programmers, and more. And so some of these features are the eMotion FX animation editor and now dynamically simulate physically based secondary animation for your actors. This lightweight solver provides realistic looking motion for items like backpacks, holsters, and even long hair as your actor moves. So interesting. Does that mean I could model myself with long hair rather than short hair and it would be life life realistic? Most definitely. You have to take advantage of Lumberyard Beta 1.21 to do that. Though. Moving on to the topic of quick starts, uh, we have a few new quick starts to talk about. Firstly, one that deploys Clickstream Analytics on the AWS cloud. So this builds a solution in about 30 minutes that integrates Kinesis Data Firehose, Simple Storage Service, Elasticsearch, Redshift, and QuickSight. So a pretty nifty way to get up and running if you're doing website analytics. There's also the Smart Product Solution. So this provides a secure product connectivity to the AWS cloud. It includes capabilities for local computing within products, sophisticated event rules, data processing and storage. It also features fast and robust data ingestion, highly reliable and durable storage of product telemetry data, simple scalable big data services for analyzing the data and global messaging and application services. It's a pretty robust solution. So definitely one to take a look at. And finally, there are new quick starts to deploy JFrog 
Artifactory on AWS. So if you'd like to use that as a solution, which is a enterprise universal artifact repository manager, been around for a long time. Know a lot of people who use Artifactory. You can now deploy it on the cloud in 30 to 45 minutes and it will let you deploy on EC2, on ECS or EKS as well. And lastly, on the topic of Marketplace, a couple updates here. Marketplace makes it easier to deploy Lambda functions with AMIs. AWS Marketplace is a curated digital catalog with over 4,800 software solutions. And now customers can deploy AMIs and Lambda functions together using CloudFormation with just a few clicks. Marketplace has also made it easier to find solutions from the AWS console. So now third-party solutions from AWS Marketplace are automatically filtered and listed in the left-hand nav panel based on the AWS service console that you're in. This means that you see machine learning models and algorithms if you're in the Amazon SageMaker service in the console. And you can also use the new search bar or filtering to look for specific solutions without leaving the console. And lastly, Marketplace now supports paid container software on Amazon EKS. Uh, so Marketplace has added paid container software EKS, adding to the selection of existing software for EKS, ECS, and Fargate. And you can run paid container software from AWS Marketplace on EKS clusters running version 1.1.3 or later. Very cool indeed. And we should remind people that reInvent is coming up. So if you haven't signed up, you should, probably should have. But also after reInvent is, of course, the Intersect Music Festival, which I think, Nikki, you're going to, aren't you? I am going to, but I didn't need that reminder about reInvent. Just stress uh, I can imagine. Yeah, sorry, uh, I, I apologize. So we uh, have tickets available online with a $25 discount available for AWS podcast listeners. If you go to int.com, AWS forward slash AWS podcast. It's a new short link across there. You can get a $25 discount on tickets. Tickets are limited though as well. It's also a good chance to go and meet Nikki Stone in person who'll be uh, signing autographs and t-shirts and the like. Yeah, because that's totally what people want. (laughs) (laughs) You're headlining, aren't you? (laughs) So Nikki, where do people find you? I wish I was that talented. Where can people get in touch with Nikki? People can find me on our AWS Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash AWS. I actually just started season three of the Build with AM and Nikki series. And it is an excellent season focused on a comprehensive overview of dev tools, including all of the AWS dev tools and all of our partner dev tools wow. that are super interesting and make life really easy. So definitely you want to check that out Tuesdays and Wednesdays from two to four. Very cool. Yeah. Pacific time. What's that global time? <laughs> uh, don't you ask don't me UTC. Figure it out. <laughs> hours, something, something. Excellent. Good to have you on the show again, Nikki. Thank you so much for having me again, Simon. I think we got through another 89 updates. Yeah, but who's counting? <laughs> and thanks everyone for listening. We do love to get your feedback. AWS podcast at amazon.com is the place to do that. Tell others about the podcast. We love to spread the word. People are often delighted to know, oh, there's a podcast. I'll add it. Uh, it's available on pretty much every podcatcher these days. So I think we've finally got our distribution everywhere it needs to be, which is great. I've always enjoyed getting emails from people saying, oh, I want it on, um, on Spotify or I need it on Play or I need it on this particular platform. So it's, it's available on all the platforms and on good old-fashioned RSS, which means you can pretty much plug it into everything. And until next time, keep on building.